0: No. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Irreligiosity of the Just Fee, 2.0, the one true podcast and the only podcast with less cases of COVID-19 than the White House.
1: Hey, Matt, you know, uh, Joe Biden, I'm going to give you a little tip. I know you listen to this podcast, Joe. Yeah, oh, uh, yeah I'm give you a little tip. Yeah, two lines for the next debate. How can you keep the country safe when you can't even keep your own wife safe? You fucking involuntarily celibate. Um, is that what they call them? Incel.
0: Incels. Yeah. Uh, what What is it like? Oh, involuntarily celibate. Is that what it is? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. They 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 want to have sex, but involuntarily, because no women will have sex with them. Uh, they're involuntarily celibate. Yeah. Or if that's too mean for you, Joe, um, how about uh, the NBA? was able to keep its people uh, more safe than our fucking government, right. our Trump administration, could keep
0: the fucking White House safe. My school well, is keeping think? students more safe <laughs> than this government's <laughs> keeping the country. I saw a kid with a mask on today. That kid is keeping more people safe. And then you just drop the
1: mic and stride off the stage like a bad motherfucking ass. Now, what do
0: you think? Now, counter counterpoint, Chuck, if that's not oh, yeah. mean enough, how about you just say, will you just shut the fuck up, man? Just shut the fuck up. Like, it's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, that's what I'm going with. Hey, um, speaking of talking, <laughs> we have a guest today. We have a, an interview. Everyone's favorite episode we have it's uh, interview interview week week yes. month interview every episode's an interview every yeah. single episode of irreligiosophy has been an interview all of them but um we have a very special guest we have uh the amazing cara santa maria and that will be coming up later i'm pretty sure it's beyond a paywall though so if you didn't pay you only get to listen to the first part of this podcast yeah, this
1: first is the only free segment. You got to go to Patreon and be a supporter to get the rest of it.
0: That's right. <laughs> Excuse me, while I I choke and die in my drink. <laughs> you all right over there. I'm fine. Look, Chuck, <clears> throat> my throat. Speaking of people the, dying, <laughs> my uh, my throat's keeping more people safe than this White House is. <clears throat> while
1: Matt stuffs his lungs back
0: down his throat.
1: We, we can move on to skunk dicks. Yes. Speaking uh, people dying. Uh, Trump tested positive for the coronavirus. Matt, uh, the irony, I think irony uh, meter's broken. You remember at the debate, he's like, oh, oh, Joe Biden, you know, I wear a mask when it's necessary, but Joe Biden, this pussy could be 200 feet away, and he's wearing the biggest mask you've ever seen. What a dope. What a fucking dick. What? He, he got no penis whatsoever. This guy.
0: Oh. Jesus, that was hilarious because the universe <laughs> immediately struck back.
1: I start believing in karma, Matt. This shit is real. Like a day later, I think he tested. He didn't admit it to anyone until Friday. But a fucking day later, I think he tested positive for coronavirus.
0: Yeah. And and then still went off and, and did some shit. Oh, I of mean-
1: course. <laughs> Don't tell anybody. It would make me look bad. Let's just go infect a whole shit ton of other people. And you know, Matt, uh, you know where I think the source of this came from? A big super spreader event?
0: Oh, right. The um, the announcement or the Rose Garden ceremony for, um, what is her name? Amy Coney Barrett? Amy Coney Barrett, yes. So that's, I, I believe, if you believe in God
1: and omens, I think that's your God telling you, uh, you don't go forward with this nomination.
0: Uh, yes! If a hurricane is your way of explaining God's wrath upon the gays, (laughs) then surely this is God's way of explaining, no, not her.
1: Yeah. He's punishing you for holding up Merrick Garland for 10 months and then ramming through Bader Ginsburg's replacement, right? Right. Fucking right before the fucking election. And you know, Matt, they're just such assholes that uh, even if there's uh they lose the election, both the fucking presidency and the Senate they'll ram it right fucking through in the lame duck session. oh you God just know it,
0: you know it, yep, yep, they're gonna do it they I mean they're trying to do it right now, where like we have yeah. uh senate senators that are t- have tested positive and they're and they're just like, no, 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 we can still do it, we can still do it, God damn it,
1: Mike Lee, one of our own senators here in Utah. Uh, yes. I'm sure would crawl through broken glass and infect everyone on the fucking planet. They probably would drag his fucking corpse and, and, uh, weekend at Bernie's it, you know, say, so yes. Go ahead and say, I,
0: <laughs> I, 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 me, I, Mike Lee. Oh, man. So there's, two yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> Trump, Donald Trump, Lee,
1: Mike Lee, uh, Melania Trump also. Uh, uh, tested positive. She's a skunk dick for being ever uh, within six feet of her husband. That's her fucking fault.
0: Oh, yeah. Sorry. You chose that, Melania. Yeah. and uh... That's on you. <laughs> uh, also, why do you hate Christmas so much, Melania? It's the <laughs> Jesus holiday. Nobody gives a fuck about Christmas, Matt.
1: She's right. So, the first thing I've agreed with Melania Trump about. I don't give a fuck about Christmas.
0: I'm with her on the Christmas thing, but not on the immigrant children thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um,
1: you're slightly out of touch when you get angry, not at um, mothers and uh, their children getting forcibly separated at the border, but that you actually get criticized for allowing this to happen. That's the true problem right there.
0: Yeah. Quote – I say that I'm working... Wait, uh, let me do my Melania voice. Let's, um, uh, let's put a little uh, racism easy. into this. Go ahead. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I don't want to do racism. <laughs> I just want to do a fun impression. <laughs> I'll just do my standard impression. <laughs> I say that I'm working... I'll give it a British act. Oh, I say God. I'm working uh, on Christmas... Planning for the Christmas, and they said, "Oh, what about the children? They were separated." Give me a fucking break. Were they saying anything when Obama did that? Was that British? I don't know what. I don't know what that, that was. That was that was just sexism. So you
1: successfully avoided racism, but you ran smack into sexism. Nice. Job. God damn it. Nice job. <sighs> yeah, she's complaining. I... That they didn't. They didn't uh, criticize Obama enough. Of course, Obama's separation policy was just uh, if, if people are unsure if the person they were with was actually their parent or guardian. They right,
0: would, it, was a, it was a safety issue.
1: Yeah, they didn't want to uh, uh, send them out with this, this strange person, uh, so they would separate them for no more than 72 hours while they tried to find the, the actual parent or guardian. That was Obama's policy. Uh, this slightly different permanent separation, thousands of children lost, right? They can't fucking trace where these people have gone tightly packed into uh these close quarters in at the height of the global pandemic so lots of sickness poor medical care um i, I believe uh, multiple cases of molestation it's just a uh, uh, horrendous absolutely horrendous it was a, a national shame this is going to go down uh yeah. as one of the, the national embarrassments shame humiliation of the 21st century,
0: yeah, and and you know, it, as a few years from now, when they really start sorting through all this shit, even though even though we're seeing it, we can see it right now, but when they really start, I don't know what's the word I'm looking for, just reporting on this with detail and the clarity of like, you know, looking back, it is horrible. It's 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 an it's it's. I, I think you're right. I think the details that have
1: got out. Are uh, just the tip of the iceberg.
0: It's, uh, we okay,
1: yeah. So, Matt, no, uh, okay, I know. just
0: brought us down. Sorry, that was, yep. Yeah. I think,
1: um, Amy Coney Barrett, I believe, had coronavirus like a couple weeks before. So I'm going to add her to the list. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, uh, she tested positive. Kellyanne
0: Conway. Uh,
1: Kellyanne yeah. Conway. Her daughter, uh, Claudia, um, I love that kid. My, I want to die. My hero. Yeah, she's uh, <laughs> recording her. <laughs> you can hear her coughing in the background. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is go- going on in that house where you have Kellyanne and her husband? Uh, what's her husband's name? Like, the, hates Trump. George Conway. Really George conservative,
1: Conway. just happens to hate Trump. Kind of, you just know. Just happens like, to hate Trump. Yeah, yeah. You'd, you'd hope that normal conservatives are, but. Right. But aren't kellyanne who used to hate trump but then got on board his campaign and uh has, you know been lying for him ever since and then their uh 15 year old daughter who is apparently a uh rational person
0: yeah, that, that only, yeah i just can't imagine being in that house i i'd want i'd want um what do they call it uh, emancipation like, she um... she she was gonna do that she was gonna emancipate
1: herself and then uh George Conway stepped down from the Lincoln Project. Kellyanne Conway stepped down from uh, her job. Uh, but not fast enough because she contracted COVID from the White House uh, super spreader event. Right. The, the White House and itself so, is now a fucking hot spot of coronavirus.
0: Right. It's a hot It's a hot zone.
1: Yeah. If only there were some way, Matt, to uh, reduce your uh, uh, ability to expose someone else uh, to the coronavirus. Oh. It's just sad.
0: Chuck, Chuck, don't be naive. If such a thing existed, surely our elected officials would do their responsibility to protect the public and advocate for such a course of action. Surely.
1: These are reasonable, humane people.
0: Uh... Right. It's not it's not a partisan issue. Uh, I can't imagine Any world in which it would be a partisan issue and any politician would just be like, here's how to stop this plague that's killing hundreds of thousands of our citizens. Let's all do it. Right. If you politicize
1: a potentially life saving measure uh, to prevent the spread for a global pandemic, you'd think your uh, uh, approval rating would be in the single
0: digits. I mean, no one would support
1: someone like that.
0: No, of course not. You'd have to be such a giant bag of shit. I mean, like a literal bag of shit. Yes. With, like, to do that kind of thing. Matt, you remember when Kaylee
1: McEnany uh, said, you know, uh, we're not Obama administration, the coronavirus, we're not going to have coronavirus coming to these shores. <laughs> oh. Oh.
0: oh. Tested positive. Oh, those the Candidate
1: number, I don't know what, what we up to do like 15, 16 now.
0: Oh, yeah, something like that.
1: (laughs) I like it, too, how Hope Hicks also tested positive. Uh, uh, News of her positive status leaked out before Trump, so everyone thought Hope Hicks uh, gave uh, uh, the president coronavirus, but it turns out that uh, his doctor, he said, you know, here we are 72 hours into the diagnosis, I think, on Saturday, which means he was fucking diagnosed on Wednesday.
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah they knew about it uh wednesday evening and then trump had a fundraiser on
1: thursday yeah um spreading it and the fundraiser by the way is all uh wealthy white old uh men usually right so yeah yeah. old old people hope you guys are doing okay
0: you're in the high risk group there buddies
1: good luck
0: Just like Trump, they all got their personal
1: helicopters and they can fly to the best hospitals in the world and get fucking experimental treatments and shit like that. They'll be
0: fine. Yeah. Don't worry Um, about the old white rich dudes. What do you think about the people that just work in the White House? Because they they got um, a member of the military that supports the president in the Oval Office. You got a couple members of the housekeeping staff. Those are the ones I feel bad for.
1: Well, working in the White House is now a... um, clear and present danger to your fucking life. These guys I mean, still aren't fucking wearing masks. The first thing Trump did cuz he got to look macho, right? Climbs up the stairs, takes off his mask and proceeds to fucking huff and puff over everyone who was there. Nice. But good. Fantastic.
0: Would you say this is the the Death Star argument as in um uh, as in when they destroyed the Death Star in Star Wars? <laughs> it wasn't just, you know, the stormtroopers and Grand Moff Tarkin. There's like Janitors and shit, you know what I mean. That work there. <laughs> yeah, Luke Skywalker wait. is fucking genocidal maniac. Nice, but wait—that's the argument. Is it? Is it? Do we feel bad about that or not? Because they, because there's no fucking way I would work in the White House under this president. For zero, there's no reason. I can think of that I would do it, except unless I was there to slap him in the face when he said stupid shit, I might, I might take that job. I might take that job. I mean, there's a lot
1: but, of people there who are career, uh, I believe, work. I know, right? I mean, they they were there before Trump came, and hopefully they'll still be alive after that
0: fucking typhoid Mary leaves I, the office. Yes, yes. I I don't want any of these people. To, I don't even want Trump to die. No, or, I want
1: Trump but, to live long enough to see uh, the election taken away from him and be prosecuted by an unpardonable state offense and then die in fucking prison.
0: I, w- I want him to learn. Yeah, that's the only way. We've talked about this before. This is like the only way they learn is when it personally affects them. Yeah. I, I. You can see, though, already, he's not learning anything. Nothing. He already went back to the White House, took off his mask, waved, while well, there's a guy standing right next to him taking pictures. Wrong match. You know.
1: He learned firsthand the effects of COVID, uh, stuff you can't get from reading a book. Thank God, because he doesn't read books anyway. Right. Right. Uh, I love the fact that it's taken him six months to fucking learn about coronavirus. You're the president of the fucking
0: United States, you piece of shit. You could have learned about this six months yeah. ago. Well, of course, apparently from conversation with Bob Woodward, we already know that he did know. He knew. Yeah. Well, he knew and did nothing on purpose except under the guise of uh he didn't want to panic at anybody uh, except for you know those hordes of immigrants like swarming the southern borders right. and and the democrats that are going to destroy the country law and order riot uh, this uh, the most rigged election in history ah!
1: <laughs> yeah he also no panic uh, also i didn't want to panic
0: anyone that
1: I think he recently tweeted that again, the flu is more deadly than the coronavirus. It's just like, you motherfucking asshole. You motherfucking asshole. Still, still. And of course, don't Uh. worry about coronavirus. Don't let fear of coronavirus dominate your life. You too can uh, board Marine One, fly to uh, best healthcare socialized medicine can provide. Motherfucker didn't pay for shit. Paid 750 bucks for that shit. It's a polyclonal antibody cocktail that was derived from stem cells, I think. Uh,
0: yeah, embryonic stem cell research. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, was that Regeneron? Is that what it's called? Or
1: Yeah, uh, yeah I can't I remember. He got remdesivir and antiviral. He's on dexamethasone. So, you know, poor people. Sorry, you know. They, they are arguing in case right now they're preparing briefs to argue shortly after the election that uh, uh Obamacare should be taken away from millions of people. Right. Meanwhile, he's availing himself of fucking free health care at taxpayer expense. So go fuck yourself. Donald Trump and the entire fucking administration, go fuck yourself. Stephen
0: Miller also tested positive.
1: Uh that skunked a yep. candidate number what are we up to like 53?
0: 50, fifty-three? Fifty. Yeah, we got we got Trump, we got Melania, we got Stephen Miller, Mike Lee, Kaylee, McGinnon, Uh some pastor, dude, Pastor Greg Laurie, who attended the prayer march on the Mall of Mike Pence and Franklin Graham in September. He's at the Rose Garden nomination. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who that guy is, but yeah. Hope Hicks. What else we got? Trump campaign, Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien. Uh Republican National Committee chairwoman Ronna McDaniel. Uh, Kellyanne Conway. We said that. Oh, oh Chris Christie. Chris Christie. Chris Christie. Yep. Yeah. Chris Christie. He's old. He's obese. Good luck, Chris Christie. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. Yep. Chris Christie. God, lots, all of them. I'm gonna give up. Some senator, North Carolina, Republican, Tom Tillis. God, yeah, it's just so. Yeah, Ron uh, Johnson. Did you mention
1: Chad Gilmartin, who looks like a fucking Hitler Youth uh, candidate right
0: there? Oh. Why do I feel so stupid right now? Who's Chad Gilmourne? I know who that is, but my mind's blanking. He
1: out. is the White House Principal Assistant Press Secretary. How could you not know that? Jesus, H. Christ. That's... Wakefield. That's...
0: Oh, the reason I don't know that is because they go through those people <laughs> <laughs> like freaking <laughs> potato chips.
1: All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's vote. Who do you think, out of all those skunk dick candidates, who
0: do you think, Matt? I mean, it's got to be Trump. I mean... I, I want to go close to home and say Mike Lee, mm-hmm. but Good like I, I mean, come on, it's got to be Trump. I'll tell you the one I'm most surprised by, and he gets my vote: Stephen Miller.
1: I know coronavirus can hop species, but I didn't know it was capable of hopping in that many species.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, uh, this is yeah, this is a game changer, Chuck. It's it's <laughs> it's dangerous. It's, it's a dangerous mo- virus. It's moving into different forms of life. <laughs> These life forms I'm not even familiar with the particular kind of life form That Stephen Miller is Neither is science (laughs) That made me laugh For real (laughs) 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 Alright
1: Let's feed that into the computer And see what spurts out Squirts out
0: Ew Ew God, it's a tie, a tie, oh my Miller you. then woohoo, we got it right. Nope, it's Justice's Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito Why are those upstanding
1: young gentlemen, what could they yeah. possibly done to warrant a skunk dick?
0: Chuck, If you listen to this podcast, you may be familiar with our own <laughs> coverage of the Obergefell v. Hodges case, which established that uh, marriage equality for same sex couples. Never heard of it. Never heard of it. It's because I can't pronounce it correctly, but, um, that was, that was five years ago. I don't know when we did a podcast on it. Probably about two weeks ago it came out, but (laughs) last episode (laughs) probably. Well, you also probably remember Kim Davis. I do
1: remember Kim Davis, that fucking sphincter. that goddamn. But she's from Kentucky, right? Mitch McConnell's hometown. Oh God, they're related. Fucking like law clerk or something in Kentucky. She refused to sign marriage certificates for uh, gay couples, so couldn't fucking do her
0: job. You know, between McConnell and the Davis family, there's some cousin fucking. (laughs) connecting it's like six degrees of kevin bacon except it's one degree of kentucky cousin fucking just
1: first cousins fucking
0: yeah (laughs) yep um they were trying to get her case all the way to the supreme court and the supreme court said oh god no fucking way is she complaining
1: (laughs) that um forcing her to do her fucking job amounts to religious discrimination or viewpoint is that what she's fucking arguing
0: yeah, yeah, because yeah. her religious liberty yeah. is under siege. Yep. That uh, there should be uh, what 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 do they say? Um, there should be an accommodation, right, for people with yeah, uh, right religious uh, objections yeah. to you know whatever, it has to, whether it's uh, to not do the basic, uh, the most basic
1: fucking part of their job. Right? You agreed right. to do this when you accepted that job. Uh, if you can't do your job, step down, you piece of shit. That's a very easy case, but had Amy Coney, because you need five people, I think, to uh, make the case go forward, right, to accept a case. And it's a 4-4 Supreme Court right now with, um, I'm guessing, uh, John Roberts joining the liberals because, uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. He seems like a religious night case, too. I don't know. Uh, I guarantee you, with Amy Coney Barrett on the bench, that that would have been accepted.
0: Oh, yeah, that would have been in there. So so the the case, uh, it was Kim Davis v. David Ermold et al. Uh, they made a petition for writ of certiorari, which I had to look up, which just means... means um, to
1: take the case, right?
0: Well, it means they're asking uh, a lower court delivers record in a case so that a higher court may review it. Basically, it's just a fancy way of saying, hey, Supreme Court, take our case. Yeah. And the Supreme Court said, no, fuck off. And then Thomas put out a statement with which Justice Alito joins <laughs> respecting the denial of certiorari. So we already, we're already familiar with Obergefell v. Hodges, where uh, the court read a right to same-sex marriage into the 14th Amendment. And they say, even though that right is found nowhere in the text, because amendments Rate every single possibility into the yeah. text for the future. Yep. And they point out that several members of the court noted that the court's decision would threaten the religious liberty of many Americans who believe that marriage is a sacred institution in one man and one woman. We've covered this. You're, yep. you're, Jesus Christ. This is the whole reason the country exists. So you can have religious liberty, but you don't get to force it on everyone. So we all agree to rights for everyone and do whatever the fuck you want in your little special house. It's very easy, um
1: Thomas and Alito, if you don't want to marry a gay dude, don't marry a gay dude problem solved right don't fucking inflict your yes. stupid ass religious views uh on the rest of the goddamn country done problem solved uh, then- done. I cleared it up for you. Chuck Morrison for uh, Supreme Court. I'm just waiting for my nomination in Supreme Court. I can solve all this shit. Very easy.
0: Yeah. Um, they made the same argument. They made the, uh, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, litigating from the bench. That's not what I meant. What's that? What's that word? Judicial uh, activism. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> David, the court bypassed that democratic? Democratic. Democratic, democratic process. Demo erotic I believe it's called <laughs> uh, Worse they, This is their dissent right Worse though it briefly acknowledged That those with sincerely held religious objections To same sex marriage are often Quote decent and honorable The court went on to suggest that those beliefs Espouse a bigoted worldview. view
1: Matt, I think the yep. court Went way too far overstepped its bounds By calling these people decent and honorable
0: I object. I strongly object. (laughs) I would like that stricken from the record (laughs) and the minds of the jury. (laughs) Administer the (laughs) (laughs) serum. Oh, fuck you, Alito.
1: Could you please do the decent thing, uh, Clarence Thomas and Justice Alito, and in three months time, just die? Can you just please? It's not too much to ask. For God's sake.
0: Just do it do it after January nineteenth or
1: yeah, whatever. <laughs> so January twenty first. Anytime after January twenty first, for the next three to six months, just do the decent thing. Oh
0: God. Yeah. They they just had they they couldn't this wasn't even a case. You know what I mean? Like, you yeah. know they these assholes always have to write their their individual dissents in a case. Like we've talked about that before. This what this was just like, no, we're not gonna hear that. And they're like, ah, And I also still- to complain about this (sighs) it's like they're running for office i have some thoughts (laughs) about
1: this by the way i'm hope to god they were the only two like gorsuch and kavanaugh didn't join that bullshit so even if they get Amy, tony barrett it'd just be hopefully a 6-3 decision the other way i mean come on what happened to the principle of starry decisis? You gotta respect the precedent. They think that it was wrongly decided. I guess, right? That's what they think.
0: Fuck uh, you, yeah. people. Um, let's see. I'm trying to figure out where do they show. Oh goddamn it! Paywalls, paywalls everywhere.
1: Matt, open up your goddamn wallet. You're a starship captain. That's right. Now you're gonna tell me they don't have money in the 23rd century. We don't. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. sure check 4, if if you know it. My favorite part is when he takes a sip of the beer and then he kind of does a double take at the beer but doesn't say anything, just kind of holds in his mouth like...
1: It's <laughs> ancient shit that I'm drinking.
0: It's light beer.
1: <laughs> uh, good stuff. I
0: came back in time to save whales. And bring him back to the future to repopulate the species, and all you got for me is light beer. That's, <laughs> that's what he should have said. <laughs> you know what the best part of this podcast is? Is we can talk be talking about Supreme Court decisions, and inevitably it leads into a Star Trek conversation. <laughs> yeah. A hundred percent.
1: Which Speaking of Star Trek, be edited out of the podcast.
0: Oh, that's sad. Everyone wants yeah. to hear about that. Oh well, yeah, definitely. Chuck, speaking of Star Trek, we have yeah. a star on this show today coming up. Who has up. trekked all the way over to our studio via Skype? Yeah, via a series of electrons and other. You see, you
1: see how I segued that, Matt? You you kind of incompletely segued it, and I just
0: bailed you out again. Chuck, you didn't bail me out. I set you up. This is this is the pick and roll. This is the alley oop, right? I set you up and you dunk it. Uh, You're welcome,
1: Cara Santa Maria.
0: Hey, we're joined by Cara Santa Maria. Thank you for being here. Hi, guys. It's been a while. Actually, it's been... Actually, this is not coincident. It's been exactly, what, four years, because the last time we talked was also pre-election. Oh, really?
2: Oh, wow.
0: Yes. And I went back and listened to that, and, um, oh, we were so naive back then. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think our pre-election podcast, we were all
1: confident, like, Uh,
2: But that's the thing. Everybody was confident. Nobody thought it was going to happen. Now I think people feel much. It's like we can't imagine a world in which Trump does win reelection. So still, I think there's a slight overconfidence that people are like, yeah, there's no way it could happen again. But I think there's also a hard reality that most people know that we've it's it is a real possibility. So we have to do everything we can to stop it, which is not how people felt last time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, right. Right, I I was I had a joke to play on this whole thing because I was making a joke that the last election broke the timeline and we were living in an alternate universe because of who was president. And the only way to fix it would be to talk to you again, because that's what broke it in the first place. But uh, then (laughs) Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. And then I read that article, The Atlanta. uh, Sorry, The Atlantic. That is. I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about, but. Which one?
2: Is it Ed Young's newest article about the pandemic or is it about something different?
0: No, it was about um, is about the vote and all the ways that this election will can and will probably be contested by the Trump. Right. Ministers. Of course. Like, yeah. It, it was a super long article it examined like everything. It's, it's like every nightmare scenario. And I <laughs> it depressed that I mean, after RBG died, I I almost. Cried, and then I read that article, and I'm like, that I don't see this as, um this is not fear mongering. Like this is exactly what they're going to do. Yeah. Now I'm scared, and it's not funny. This shit ain't funny. I mean, it hasn't no, been funny for years. I've been
2: scared. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is no. This our entire democracy is is being threatened, right? By like a a wannabe strongman. Yeah. I mean, he he's not a strongman yet because he pick the wrong country, but he is definitely testing the limits of, you know, division of powers. He's testing the limits of, of what our democracy can maintain. You know, I think the, the biggest frustration is that the Constitution— has always been a document that only works if everybody's playing the same game like if we all decide together that this is the government that we want and that the American experience uh, experiment is an experiment we all want to be involved in you know we're all working towards a common goal whether you're right wing left wing whatever even if you're super partisan ultimately you want The constitution to be the law of the land ultimately you want you know life liberty pursuit of happiness all of these things and so when somebody comes in and is like oh yeah that's not what i want i want to test the limits of this and they're they're not like following that quote-unquote gentleman's agreement you start to realize that this is a leaky ship like there are a lot of holes in this
0: thing exactly yeah it went from um like you said a gentleman's agreement to like if it's not illegal, if it's not specifically illegal, I can do it. And yeah. that's that's very like that's what you get when you elect a businessman. And I even like hate even saying that because his business sucks, but
2: Yeah, but I like, mean it know, goes beyond him being a businessman. I mean that's what you get when you elect yeah. a, a narcissistic, megalomaniac, wannabe strong man. Like Dang. I mean this is It's Nixon era on steroids because we got a taste of that with Nixon, but Nixon still understood the expectation that at a certain point when it goes too far, you're no longer holding up your end of the bargain. You need to bow out gracefully. And that's something that Trump would never do. And I mean, we've known this for a while, but he just reconfirmed it a couple of days ago when he said, you know, no, there's not going to be like he didn't say no. He said, we'll see what happens when a reporter pointedly asked him if there would be a peaceful transfer of power, if he lost,
1: So they just flat out said, uh, let's get rid of the ballots. And then there won't be (laughs) uh, any transition of power. It'll just be a continuation. Right. Um, And I think we've blown past uh, technically legal with Trump. He doesn't care about the law. Uh, And one of the holes in that ship is that in order to enforce this stuff, you need other people to care about the law and uh, stop enabling this person. And we have in the Senate, uh, a group of people that represent a minority of the population who have an outsized power and they'll do anything to keep that power. As we've seen now in the space of four years, right? You've gone from holding up Mary Garland's uh, nomination, won't even give him a hearing to ramming through, uh, getting rid of the filibuster, ramming through Gorsuch and then God almighty Kavanaugh. And now, well, yeah, and
2: I mean, we know that this has been McCo- McConnell's, Singular focus and singular goal since he started his Senate career. Like McConnell wants, yeah, to stack the Supreme Court. This has been everything he angles for, every back channel. It's what he's been working at. (laughs) tirelessly. So to think that all of a sudden things are going to change with this incredibly contentious seat, um, this is like a gift from God for McConnell. I'm sure that's how he sees it. And we've got to do just everything in our power. The problem is we just don't have much power because we're in the minority right now in the Senate.
1: Yeah. And I I think that if this goes through, it really delegitimizes the, the – already the federal courts have been delegitimized by McConnell holding up something like 400 seats uh, and then ramming through uh, mm-hmm. a massive amount of young, lifelong appointees uh, to hold these seats for 60 years, right? Um, and and now stealing Garland's seat and uh, installing what I guess – Will likely be Amy Coney Barrett, a person who said that her legal career is a means to an end, and that is to uh, promote and grow the kingdom of God. Right. Holy shit.
2: That's so scary. Like, there are people, I'm not going to lie, like, I don't spend any time on Facebook. I really don't like Facebook, and the only reason I have a Facebook is so that I can have my, like, professional account there, you know, just like I have on Twitter and Instagram. Although I use Twitter and Instagram personally and professionally, Facebook, I I have a big division, so I almost never log on to it. But I was posting something the other day, and it opened up my personal page instead of my um, page page. That's what they call them, pages. And the top post was from a, a good friend of mine seeking advice from people who have successfully and without headache had tubal ligations because she was like, I need to do this now. I'm afraid of abortion rights in the future. And I know I don't want kids. I'm in my 30s. That's not going to change. And unfortunately, when I've investigated in the past, I've gotten a lot of pushback from physicians. um, You know, and there's some horror stories in the thread from people saying, oh, I know somebody who's husband had to sign off for her to get it or people saying yeah my, my doctor wouldn't give me one because i'm young and healthy um blah 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 but like this is a real fear that american women have right now is that what are, our reproductive rights are going to be completely stripped
0: just just because i don't know what are tubal ligations
2: oh it's getting your tubes tied oh
0: yeah. Duh. yeah
2: or or cut i mean there's different ways to do it but they say tubes tied so yeah all right it's like,
0: the doctor don't laugh it's the
2: female equivalent <laughs> i guess you could say of a vasectomy but it's actually much more invasive and much more okay. um there there are more risks involved so yeah. it's kind of like fucked up that women have to think about that Um, especially because we're already the ones that have to use the birth control I mean I get it it is our body and it's our child and we need to have ultimate control over that choice and that decision but um, but it's you know an abortion is significantly safer or even safer than that would be a morning after pill obviously and or just access to birth control right just regular oral contraceptives or vaginal contraceptives and IUD those kinds of things are you know also by and large very safe depending yeah. on your your health and your situation and the fact that s- women are legitimately afraid that those options are going to be removed from the table some of them want to go to the drastic measure of like having you know irreversible surgery now so that they're not stuck with an unwanted pregnancy later. And the the ironic and scary thing is that we always knew, right, that the the extreme right, the ultra-conservative evangelicals want to stack the court with, quote, pro-life justices. But the sad irony is that it's the seat that gave women rights that they're trying to replace now. Right. Like, without Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I would not own my own home. I would right. not have been able to sign a mortgage by myself. Can you imagine? Like, I'm a single woman who owns my own home, and that would have been illegal. I would not have been able to sign my own freaking mortgage. And there's so many examples of of legislation that she, um, or I should say of precedents that she set in the Supreme Court that allow for basic women's rights. Basic women's rights. Right. People Which don't it realize
0: tells
1: me, tells me is this stuff wasn't the 19 teens in the 1920s. This stuff was the 1970s. a 1970s. Get... Yeah.
2: And she wasn't. You're right. Like it was the 70s on or I should say, was it late? Very late 60s. No, I think it was early 70s when she started her ACLU work, um, you know, partnering with the ACLU and doing yeah. these like early um, important court cases that she actually argued before the Supreme Court, but she didn't even sit on the Supreme Court until 1993. Correct. So, so the, the precedence that she was setting as a federal or as a, you know, Supreme Court justice, that was not that long ago. And I just, I just watched a documentary about her on Hulu last night. That was made in 2018. Um, oh yeah. And <laughs> I, yeah. And I didn't realize that Joe Biden was the one who actually swore her in as a justice. How cool is that? Because okay. he was on the he, Senate judi- or he was heading the Senate Judiciary Committee at the time.
1: He was also on the Judiciary Committee with Clarence Thomas. <laughs> no way.
2: Let's we're just gonna pretend. <laughs> we're just gonna forget. That yeah. No. Happen. I also just watched, and I got a refresher. Um, the Choice. They do it one every every election on um, PBS's Frontline, where they kind of tell the full story of the two candidates and how they got where they are, and it almost feels like you're watching. Like, I can't help but as a skeptic watching it to be like, wow, this feels biased. And then you realize it can't not feel biased because Trump is so awful that even when they're trying to be super measured in telling their stories, they're like, basically, it's a choice between a total morally bankrupt asshole and a guy who and, of course, with um. With Biden, they have to point out his flaws too. And so it's like the two big things they talk about are the Anita Hill hearings where he totally dropped the ball and, or the Clarence Thomas hearings. uh, hearings. And the one time that he said that Obama is, I can't remember how he worded it, but he mentioned that he was articulate. He said like a good looking, (laughs) well-read, articulate black man running for president. Like he's he's, like a, a godsend or something. Yeah, and of course people were like, w t f um but like the fact that that is the extent of his racism is that he called obama articulate which yes is can be coded i personally don't think he meant it in that way i think he was trying to say like people can't not vote for him um but the fact you either could, you way could judge
0: someone's like like inadvertent racism by their character and the life they live exactly and-
2: and he's yeah. always been, you know, very, yeah. very, like, he's surrounded himself with people of all different backgrounds, one of his best friends, and many of his, like, closest confidants um, come from very different kind of neighborhoods and very different um, backgrounds than he does, and... um yeah, he's just nobody has ever been like, wow, Biden's a racist. Like it was that one time that he said something really stupid. And I think right. he was trying to make the point that that's how the voters will see him. But, you know, whatever. But that was the extent of like the um, controversy that they could play on this on this front line documentary, whereas with Trump, it was just like horrible thing after horrible hey. thing after horrible right. thing.
1: Right. <laughs> Keep in mind too, we 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 just gone through eight years of Bush, one of the most inarticulate presidents in the entire history of the country.
2: True, yeah. So So, it's that background too, and also we've got to remember too that Biden has a personal stake in that view because he himself has struggled to be articulate his entire life because his study ah, has been so intense, and so. That is more salient to him than almost any other feature of a good orator. And also, let's be honest, Obama is one of the most articulate presidents we've ever had. Yes. I know it's coded oh, language God. to yeah, say what black a person statesman. is articulate, but he, he's like our, you know, I don't even know how to compare him. Like he's one, he's one of the best orators we've ever, he's like Lincoln, I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah he's amazing. And I, God, that's what, and there's so much hatred towards him. no, no white supremacist hates a black man more than when they're they're easily like smarter and better than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they're just like, oh like shit, indisputably. even indisputably.
2: Yeah, indisputably, yeah. <laughs> can could like mop the floor with you in a debate, of course. Yeah.
0: I of mean, course. even what I thought I would have called uh moderate uh Republicans that are that I know that are friends of mine, like couldn't stand them. And I'm just like, I, I, I get like having, you don't agree with policies, but I don't get the hatred you have for them. And then I remembered, oh, they, they're they from Nebraska. Yeah, he's black. So. yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah exactly. Like <laughs> Sorry, Nebraska. <laughs> no, but I mean, really think about it. I remember I was just mentioned this on the SGE, so you may have heard me say it already. But um, I remember early on in the election, it was like when they were talking about if- Trump won because they weren 't talking about who was up against whom obviously Trump ran after um, Trump ran to to replace Obama, but there were so many people that were comparing the two of them, and there were literally people that were saying like "I think Trump would be a better president, and he was like, "Are you out of your mind?" He was like, "The only litmus test that I have to use is If the only choice of somebody to watch my kids, if I were to, like, go on vacation or let's say, God forbid, I were to die and I needed somebody to take over my parental duties. And if I only could choose to leave them with the Trumps or the Obamas, I don't care what your policy politics are. Nobody's going to leave their kids with the Trumps. Oh, my God. No. (laughs) And really, that's a good litmus test for leading our country. Like, we're a bunch of fucking children. And like, who do we want to be daddy to the country? It's like obviously Barack Obama is a better dad. Like that's indisputable.
0: Yeah, I I can't think of well. I mean, obviously at this point there's a zero things I would trust Trump with. I mean, unless there was some business I had that I wanted to explicitly fuck up and ruin. No, yeah, I, like I could, you would tr- you would trust yeah.
2: Trump with like with like getting rid of the hooker you murdered or something horrible like that. You know what I mean? Like that's that all either. Trump is good for, <laughs> or like for extorting <laughs> like some of your enemies for money or something like that. He'd be the shady guy that you'd be like, Hey, you got the hookup, but really then it would have been Cohn or it would have been Roger stone or like one of his effed up kind of friends and cronies that would have done the dirty work.
0: He still would have screwed it up. You're like, you're supposed to keep that stuff on the down low and you did it right out the open. Yeah. Or give it anyway. oh, God. yeah well i i after she died it was i had a weird feeling um at the died that usually when someone dies you want to have some empathy and feel for them and their family and and whoever's close to them and man i got scared um not not really for myself since i'm uh you know a middle-aged white guy you know Uh, But for people like my daughter, you know, and and all the other people in this country that that are going to reel from whoever replaces her on the court. Like, I've never felt fear when a Supreme Court justice died before. Yeah, you're not supposed
2: to. Like, that shouldn't be the, the first thing you think or feel. And it's really sad, too. Right. Because we didn't we didn't get to mourn her in an authentic or a pure way. I think a lot of women did mourn the loss because she. We felt an emotional connection with her. She was such a fearless leader. And interestingly, too, in the last several years of her life, there was this like resurgence and she became this very like woke icon that a lot of young people who maybe wouldn't have known who she was really identified with her. And so obviously her loss was a blow. But I'll tell you my initial reaction. And this is really rare for me. I happened to be on Twitter, like scrolling on Twitter when the NPR article popped up in my feed and i um, think npr probably got the exclusive first because one of their reporters was like bff with with ginsburg later in life or maybe not i don't know but it definitely got broken by npr and then of course every outlet picked it up within minutes but i quote tweeted it and a lot of people found out from me and and even on instagram i couldn't even think straight so my instagram oh. post is no 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 And then I wrote RGB. I didn't even spell her name right. Um, (laughs) Because I was like in a weird headspace. No, 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 no. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And so and nobody had to say what happened. Everybody knew what happened just from that. I think part of the reason that the morning was so complicated, obviously, is the fear of of knowing that we've got an amoral uh, executive and partial legislature. Um, So. So obviously they're going to push to install a new justice right away. But, but I think the second thing is that she, it wasn't sudden. I think we've all been afraid that this is going to happen for oh, so long now. And yes. we expected her death. And and sometimes when a death comes in an expected way, you've been mourning it slowly for a while already. And yeah. so the first thing you don't feel is sadness. You feel all the complicated emotions that come with it. Um, although, I will say a lot of women and myself included were deeply in mourning. It was so much more than than grief. It was like shock and fear, fear, shock and grief all mixed together, which is enough for me, at least, that I after about an hour of like posting and reading and scrolling said, I can't do this anymore. This isn't good for my mental health. And the only thing I knew to do was to turn everything off. And I took like a four hour nap. I just went to sleep. I had to escape it all. And then I was able to sort of reset and start thinking because I was just overwhelmed with emotion.
0: Right. I mean, when Scalia died, uh, we talked about that. We didn't have that same reaction because we're one. It was like, as far as Supreme Court goes, it was just going to be a one for one replacement, obviously. But he had uh, a good life. And, and she had a good life. She had an extraordinary life. And they were like one... best
2: friends, too, which is really cool and yeah. weird. But and I think there I... was also horrible schadenfreude when Scalia died, which I think a lot of people struggled with because they were like yep. they were like ha- they were happy that this person who had been pushing for so much, you know, pain, I guess you could say. Because yeah. he was a what did they call them? A constitutional um, whateverist. Originalist, yeah, whatever yeah. you like. Kind of, it, it's almost like a person who reads the, the like a fundamentalist Christian, right? Somebody who reads the Bible for its text, like and says everything in it is true. Like, he read the Constitution as it should have been written when it was written, and that and he said that's how we should interpret it, which led to a lot of horrible things. Like, a lot of people really disagree with that role, and obviously, he was super conservative. So, when he died, people were like, okay, at least that guy is not doing his job anymore. That's a good thing. But they were also like, oh shit, I feel really horrible for celebrating somebody's death. Yeah. He died. That's really sad. And apparently, he was a really good guy, like, other than his policies. Right. (laughs) He was like a really upstanding, kind of like good friend to people. He was apparently warm. He was very personable. And weirdly, he and Justice Ginsburg. were like literally best friends
0: yeah they yeah they her,
2: be, i mean her that's one flaw the country one flaw yeah <laughs> but i actually think that that's you know it's something that we all strive for as skeptics it's something that we wish that we could do better which is to know how to put i don't know political differences aside and find somebody's humanity the right. problem is you can't really extricate politics from humanity because politics are a way to take our humanity and our ethos and translate it into protections under the law. And so if somebody is politically anti-gay, for example, or anti-woman, then I don't think I could be friends with them because that means that they're anti-me.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's some things you really shouldn't compartmentalize. Um, Right. And, and, you know, aside from him being an utter, complete asshole, he was inconsistent in his application of even his originalism.
2: Right. Um, and well, and when, how could you really be perfectly consistent when you're when it's so like draconian your yeah your interest? Right. It's like it. We know it doesn't work. And so he's trying to make it work in a situation that wouldn't allow it to work. So it's almost like inconsistency is,
1: is would have to happen. Right. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Is the polar opposite. She's consistent in her application of these compassionate values, right? Uh, and her legal—I ar- mean, she would routinely mop the floor with Scalia. Unfortunately, mostly on the dissenting side, right?
2: Exactly. So it didn't really—I mean, it did matter, but it didn't really matter.
1: And and right.
2: I think that's also a function of being a woman in America, especially in the era in which she came up through um, Harvard and Columbia and then, you know, couldn't find a position in any law firm and had to go teach for a while. I think part of the issue and and even today, women, if you talk to any woman who has any kind of power whatsoever or or is struggling to still find power, what she'll tell you is that. I have to work 10 times harder, 100 times harder. Like I have to be perfect because if I'm not perfect, then I'm nothing. Whereas many men in those same positions can be okay and have the same job. And I think that's a perfect example is that on the Supreme Court, like her arguments are flawless. And it's really she had to be beyond reproach. And that's sort of like the same position that a lot of us are taking when it comes to this election. Right. We need to make sure that Biden's win is so clear and so uncontestable that Trump doesn't have a leg to stand on and he'll still contest it. But when his entire party can no longer back him because they're like, fuck, dude, it's written on the wall. Look at the evidence. There's nothing we can do about this. You lost by such a large margin that you have no argument. Um, you know what else can you do? And I think that, he had to have that same approach.
0: That's what I'm afraid of is that is that if he loses by a lot, it's going to come out. Oh, it's cheating and rigged. Um, and then well, no, I wouldn't be afraid of that. He's going to say that regardless. Of yeah, yeah. He loses I by. mean, that's not the scary part. I mean, I know he's going to say that. No matter yeah. That. Um, it's 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 what the Republicans do after that is is what I'm afraid of. If they're going to stand up for decency and quote the rule on or if they're just going to go along with it and start pulling shenanigans just to win. Um. Eh. But here's the thing. Trump is not a Republican. And I think his own party
2: understands that they know that as a figurehead right now, he is a means to them having legislative power. And so they're doing everything they can under the legislature. And also, yes, under the judiciary, of course, they want to install more judges. And of course, they want to kind of also utilize some of his executive power to their advantage while they can. But they don't like Trump and they don't want Trump to become a dictator either. And so I think for a lot of them, it's sort of a devil's bargain. Like they might be willing to see Biden come back in because it's either a strongman dictator. Yes, it'll give them four more years of kind of republican power but they see that he's uncontainable and so i think for a lot of them deep down they're secretly kind of hoping that this whole mess is over so that they can get a real republican in after maybe biden does only four years
1: well if they lose the senate you know uh the game's pretty much over
2: and that's all i think that's what they're really focused on like yeah they'll take trump four more years if it helps them keep the senate stacked and of course, push harder on the um, on the uh, on the house. <laughs> Thank you. I'm looking for the house um, If they can push harder on the house. But you know, that's probably never never gonna fly, or at least not this go around. But I don't know. I think that for them, it's like it's a hard choice because of course they want their party to be in power, but they're all just as scared of Trump as we are because he's unmanageable and he doesn't represent Republican interests.
1: Yeah. What's your opinion on adding? Uh, Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico states and stacking the courts, assuming we get the Senate.
2: Well, I, I think even beyond that, from a strategy perspective, because I don't really like to I don't I don't know what my opinion is from a strategy perspective. It feels a little bit dirty, but I do think that um, I've long thought that Puerto Rico should have should have full statehood. Right. And so what I would love to see is that Puerto Rico actually become the 51st state and no longer be this. Commonwealth that's in this horrible position where they basically have no power, but they're subject to our laws, because that feels very colonial to me in a way that I'm not comfortable with. Washington, right. D.C. is a super weird example. And I I must admit, I don't really understand the District of Columbia well enough to know, like, I, I know it screws them. I know that the residents of Washington, D.C. are kind of screwed over. But I also know that a lot of the residents of Washington, D.C. are you know, Capitol Hill residents. So it's confusing. But but the poor people who just like live in D.C., right, who like go to D.C. schools and who like don't work in government at all um, are in like this horrible position, too, where, again, they're almost like it's almost a colonial position where they don't really have the same kind of representation that the rest of our country has.
0: As far as the Supreme Court goes, as stacking it, what's the thing that worries me about that is it like could this set up some sort of stacking war when the next republican president is elected and then they'll stack it more i'm gonna Well, make that's it... what everybody's
2: always been doing i mean oh, that's the they? thing too it's like yeah it's like it's it's all just strategery right <laughs> to try and figure out the best way to get to where we need to be but sadly historically there was at least some bipartisan movement i mean ginsburg was um was confirmed what was it 97 to three
0: yeah it was it was huge
2: and and i mean yes it was a different time but it was still a pretty partisan time let's be honest i mean it was the clinton administration
0: oh yeah yeah people
2: hated clinton republicans seethingly hated him i mean they impeached him like it was definitely a different for for some i mean Yeah, okay, whatever. But like for some bullshit compared to what we're looking at now. So it it was still pretty partisan. But I think that just our our country's goals were different. It was about moving forward. It wasn't about, I don't know, trying to like stop the hemorrhaging. And that's where we are right now.
1: And there has to be some type of response from the Democrats for them holding. It didn't even hold a hearing on Merrick Garland. I know. Uh, nine straight months, and then six weeks they ram through another one. There needs to be some sort of response, otherwise you're right. We're not playing the same game we need you know these guys are in you know, a war, and we're playing hopscotch basically
2: yeah, and it's I think that that's been one of the biggest problems for the past several decades now is that and and I get it right, like you want to take the high ground like you when they go low, we go high, but the problem is when you're like, let's get in the ring. And I'm going to, you know, follow all of the gentlemen's rules of boxing. And then you come in and just, like, kick me in the balls and, like, declare yourself a victor. At a certain point, rolling around on the ground, writhing in pain, and and as the loser, saying, yeah, but I, I at least followed the rules. It, it's right. a really hard position to to be in. And so there is something really important about maintaining decorum, I think. And there's something really important about saying, like... I only respect this system insofar as it is true to its, you know, to its parameters. And that's why we all are playing this game together. And and really it's like, what do you do? How do you get it so that the people who are just gonna kick you in the balls don't get to play? I think that's the real question it's not do we just kick back it's how do we get those people out and how do we maintain a group of adults
0: oh my god can we apply game theory to this
2: (laughs) (laughs) well game theory is basically just going to show us that we're screwed
0: (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) i think if we really do apply game theory we're just going to see kind of the holes (laughs) yeah
1: the problem is the senate the senate Senate is, is um massively disproportionately rural
2: yeah well that's always been the problem with the senate it's also the problem with the uh, with the electoral college these are things that basically were the the devil's agreements the things that we were willing to do because we were going to lose half our country to the interests of slavery if we didn't make a deal with the devil and basically say okay fine you cannot keep slaves anymore you know, and and not just that, like you, you, you cannot do all of these horrible things that ultimately as a union, we're not okay with. And and kind of the trade off early on is going to be that, you know, you get a little bit more representation, right, that we don't just like roll over you, steamroll you being kind of the educated elite that live in cities. Um, and the problem with that is like, I see it, there's a reason people live in cities. They want to be near industry and they want to be, you know, where I don't know, culture is and they want to read books. I mean, in in a way, this goes back to the longstanding, I think, right wing argument that education brainwashes people into liberal thinking. And I think that they've got their cause and effect wrong. You know, it's like that's a correlation. And if I were to, I don't know, do a really complex psychological study a deep dive into it i i would venture to guess that becoming more educated leads to more progressive values it's not the other way around
0: yeah well i don't think we need two dakotas i think we could meld those together (laughs) we could push oklahoma into texas nebraska and kansas they don't need to be separate
2: Well, and the cool thing is that we are seeing over time that places that were historically super conservative and rural, yeah, some of them are actually becoming more. Like they're doubling down and becoming more kind of fundamentalist. But other places have these pockets of blue because the metropolitan like nucleation points within the cities, people start to aggregate. So even in Texas that we think of as being very classically conservative has these massive progressive regions. And the good thing is they're in Uh the cities where there's a lot of representation.
0: Yeah. I mean, Austin's like a different world.
2: And not just Austin, we're starting to see it more in Houston, we're seeing it more in Dallas, like the the tides are, you know, slowly, but surely shifting a little bit. I mean, it's not hard to do, I think, when the needle has moved, right, the goalposts have moved so far that centrism, like being a centrist, being neutral, is actually a little bit to the right. Right. So any progressive progressivism um, that used to be more central and actually if you were to compare it to the entire world is definitely centrist seems like liberal although it's like mm, i don't know that's like pretty moderate view perspective like I, I that's how i feel about the democrats i'm not a fucking democrat they're way too centrist for me right <laughs> i just <laughs> happen right. to okay. be, have to be voting that way most of the time because they're you know the party that might actually win
1: Right, they're the only major adult party available yeah. to us. Yeah. What um, What are your solutions to America? You have thirty seconds. Go. <laughs> 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 Fix this.
2: <laughs> I mean, if 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 I were the queen of America, because you would have to have a lot of power to be able to, in you know, make these kinds of changes. I think I would the first.
0: That. Right, Over I think the, the current. First, over the current
2: <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, the only way to push these kinds of things through because the problem is that the people who have an interest in things staying the way they are have the power to keep them the way they are or to make them worse. But I would say the first thing we would need is election reform, right? We would need to uh, change the way that campaigns are financed. We would need to have mandatory voting. Um, we would need to not have a winner take all system, but we would have like a more progressive system where you have to have a majority in order to, you know, win in a primary or in order to win in the general election. And once you establish who has the, you know, the majorities, then you take other people out of the rankings and then you rerun them so that people who have like 30% of the popular vote are not winning. I would abolish the electoral college, like those kinds of things I would do first. After that, I would radically change our social programs in this country, I would slash the military budget, and I would put all of that money into free education and free healthcare. And I think that if we had free college education, and also reformed, uh, you know, primary and secondary education, uh, one, one step that I would take is to get rid of tenure for, not not at the university level, but at the, uh, you know, um, what do you call it, teachers union-backed tenure for like high school teachers, I would reform that dramatically so that you could, you know, lose the lower percentages of low-performing teachers and ensure that you always had high-performing teachers because that's how you... Good teachers lead to good results with, with children, with education. Yeah. We know that. I mean, there's there's so much data supporting this, but there's just, you know, there are interest groups that prevent real change. So, yeah, I would do that. And then I would, I would yeah, ensure that we had a national option, a public option for health care and that we put real money into it. We really funded education and health care in a way that we absolutely could afford to right now. We just don't. And then beyond that, I would really You know, I think boost other social service programs, housing and change like reform our obviously criminal justice system so that nonviolent crimes uh, were uh, no longer, you know, federal offenses, or at least if they are felonies, that they're low level felonies. Um, Get rid of mandatory minimums. Mm, Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think all those things, if we really we'd be a completely different country.
1: Oh yeah. Those I are mean, all it, very good ideas, but since you went over the 30 second mark, we're putting none of them into <laughs> it. <point. laughs> well damn. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's how it works. So
2: uh, I feel like a politician. <laughs> do you have any interest in politics? Do I? Fuck do you know. thirty five yet? I mean, yeah, I'm 37 actually well, I'll be oh, 37 in October. I'm 36. Um, Of course, I have an interest in politics from like a psychology philosophy perspective. I care deeply about my civic duty and I have an activist streak in me, but I would never. It's unfortunate, but I think that the deck is so stacked against me, not just as an atheist, but as somebody who says fuck a lot and somebody who has tattoos and somebody who like, I I just think that I don't want to put myself in, in the position of being emotionally destroyed every day in order to you know, affect political change. We live in a horrifically sexist country. And it's bad enough being a public communicator of science. It's bad enough, you know, keeping my Instagram page clean of of people posting, you know, legit, overt neo-Nazi propaganda. Like, I can't imagine the kind of fear and hatred that I would be exposed to if I had any sort of political power. And I hate to say it, but it's not worth it to me. For some people, it's they're really brave. It's, I mean, young women, especially women of color, who actually run and hold political office are some of the bravest people I know, because we do not see the kind of shit that they have to deal with behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. It's awful.
1: Would you it's, run as a vice presidential candidate under Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez? Because I think she turns 35 in 2024.
2: I don't think she would win, unfortunately. I would love Too to see her win. But I think I think she's yeah, I think that she's probably too progressive. I would love to see Kamala and maybe she could bring AOC on as her V. If Kamala
1: can't live forever,
2: right? No, if Kamala, I would love to see Biden. (laughs) I don't think I I think Biden should serve a full eight. I don't think he will. He may not even run after four. but I'd love to see him serve a full eight and then to see Kamala potentially serve a full eight after. Um, But that's 16 years from now. Then AOC would be, what is that? 40, like 50 early fifties. And maybe by then she would have the track record and, and she would be less of a meme in people's minds and more of an actual, you know, legislator.
1: Or she will have 16 more years of vilification and, anti-AOC propaganda. uh, Maybe. I mean, they've spent spent 30 years vilifying Hillary Clinton.
2: True, Uh, but you've got to remember, too, that a lot of the people that I think are responsible for that are going to be dead. And the truth is, when you look at, yes, there are, like, these really crazy QAnon, like, younger QAnon people who are, um, you know, pushing for these seats. But ultimately, a lot of the people who are running these, like, ultra weirdly like draconian and like, I don't even know how to describe them. These like super backwater, extra conservative Christian campaigns and that vilify anything like that are utilizing overt kind of racist dog whistles and stuff like that. They're old. A lot of them are old.
1: God, I hope you're right. I hope they're all dead. I think that might be.
2: (laughs) I think a lot. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't think that's like the answer because The scary thing is, I say that, but who are they dog whistling to? Young alt right crazy guys. Like a lot of these, like MRAs, these incels, these alt right, you know, neo Nazi, like Proud Boy, these people who are super, super right wing, like hate black people and hate women are like in their 20s. Yeah. The good news is, I don't know how often they grow up to be alt right old men. I don't know. I think that we live in such a global society now and we're so connected. And a lot of these alt-right guys aren't living in like bumfuck Iowa. They're living in like San Bernardino, California. So they're exposed to different viewpoints. And it's not an uncommon story to hear about the neo-Nazi who like grew up. These are you hear these you see these TED talks. You hear these stories all the time. Like I was a neo-Nazi when I was 18 years old because I had no empathy and I didn't know anything about the world and then i realized that i'm like the problem i think when it comes to the entrenched racism a lot of that has to do with isolation and just generational teachings of of fear and hatred um like kind of that like passive racism that has extended since slavery the the really overt stuff i think that global connection is a good antidote for that surrounding yourself with people that are different from you and realizing that there's nothing to be afraid of and if anything they're making your life better is a great antidote for that
0: oh um, yeah Some So international that, travel to a lot of different places would help these people a lot to see a life outside of the little bubble they live right, in. right
2: but the cool thing is right as americans international travel is for many of us out of reach right because our social programs are such that like poor Americans stay poor. We have very little social mobility in our country. And so, or even middle-class Americans are really struggling. So travel is kind of, it's an elite goal for a lot of people, unfortunately. But the cool thing is it's 2020, which means you can just like get on the internet. You don't have to travel (laughs) to meet people from other parts of the world. And you don't have to travel to have friends that look different from you. Even if you live in a, you know, a pretty rural area, America is a huge melting pot. Like America has more ethnic groups living together than any place in the world.
0: Yeah. Sometimes these guys, though, they get on the Internet to learn things. But say like YouTube has weird algorithms that can lead you down some very strange roads, depending on what you search for. Oh, for sure. You could easily go down all these like Nazi and MRA and incel video holes. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's horrible. But that's like, that's like, going online to passively be propagandized, right, which most people don't realize they're doing it. But I'm actually talking about connecting with people, not like watching videos, not idolizing people or, you know, studying, but just being just going to like university online, which is going to be a new normal, you know maybe now you have options outside of just the local college that's right next door because we know we have the technology to be able to do educational efforts interactively online so now maybe i can go to college across the country and i couldn't afford to do that before and maybe now i'm going to college in a big city where half of my you know philosophy class are people of color <laughs> Like, holy shit, that's not something that if I grew up in a small town in Nebraska or Iowa or Kansas, I might have been able to do before. So that's really cool.
0: That is really cool. They got to They got to come from a place where they want to better themselves and are open minded enough to learn. Well, except-
2: and we need to work to develop and and foster an infrastructure and a culture where you can't help but be exposed. I think that's the important thing. We need to work as a society to make it so that you can no longer hide. And you can, like, it. it's not incumbent upon you to better yourself, but passively yeah. you're going to be exposed to different opinions because that's how our society functions. There will be women in the boardroom. There will be people of color who are in um, administrative academic positions. You know, if if we don't, Work to change that culture, then passively, people are never going to be exposed to things, even if they don't want to be. And yes, there will always be racists. And, but, but we've got to make it so that our systems are no longer racist. Like that's the problem. Our institutions are fundamentally racist. It doesn't mean they're populated by racists. I think overt racism has become completely out of fashion. And, if you like are an overt avowed, like white supremacist, most people are going to be like, Oh, that guy's an asshole. Right. But
0: passive participation. <laughs> well, I used to think that actually, but <laughs> yeah,
2: it no, still, still the vast majority of people are going to say that. Guy's yeah, yeah, an Asshole, yeah. but
0: passive it's, it's participation. People... <laughs> Sorry, go
2: ahead. No. Yeah, of course, of course. But um, passive participation in institutions and structures that promote racist ideology you know that that not just promote but like engender and and um facilitate you know that contribute to an ongoing oppressive regime in our country is the bigger problem i think it's that our courts are racist our academic systems are racist our prisons are racist our schools are racist and that's because they were built upon policies that have historically been really racist and not just racist sexist too got to throw that in there um and until we undo that kind of legislation and that kind of policy and until we really continue to push there was a huge insert uh, there was a huge push to do this in the 80s and in even the 70s like people were all on board for You know seeing more people of color in in these heavy positions of power like ruth bader ginsburg will say outright i benefited from that i benefited from from policies that that said we need more women so we're going to promote that i mean affirmative action people used to be really into and now there's this new backlash i mean there's always been a handful of people that fought it tooth and nail but i do think it had more bipartisan support in the past
1: Oh, so feel it. Oh, Sophia. oh, Sophia. oh, Sophia. oh, Sophia. oh
0: Sophia.